Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. I'm Claire Hatton. And I'm Greta Thomas. This show is all about sharing inspiration, uplifting stories, and practical career advice from innovative, original thinking, and pioneering women from around the world. You can find us here every second week, or why not sign up at don'tstopusnow.co so you never miss a show. Plus, you'd make our day if you could rate or review us. It really gives us a boost in more ways than one. It sure does. Now it's time for this week's show. Hello and welcome. I'm going to cut straight to the chase here as we have a pretty incredible guest for you today. I don't think I've ever met someone with so much drive and conviction as serial entrepreneur Sue Fennessy. You can say that again. You know, Sue's vision for her latest purpose-led business, We Are Eight, is absolutely epic. Yeah, great word. And literally world-changing. You know, to give you an idea, Sue has spent the last eight years building the technology platform required to take on the social media giants of the world. Yeah, big, big vision. Not only that, Sue's invested more than $11 million of her own money to get We Are 8 to where it is today. And she can do that because Sue has one heck of a track record building and exiting businesses. To date, she scaled and sold three previous businesses. The last business that Sue co-founded and then sold in 2022, the Global Standard Media Index, was bought for $200 million. SMI, as it's also known, was a pioneering data and technology business recording global media spends across different advertising channels. It required a huge persistence and influence to get all the world's largest media agencies on board to have access to all that data. But that she did. Sue has also built the Frontier Group, a technology-driven sports and entertainment company, particularly focused on China, and before that, an international sponsorship business based in Asia-Pacific, which she started while barely out of university. Certainly a serial entrepreneur. (laughs) And these days, after numerous years living in New York, Sue's based in London, where we visited her at her HQ in central London. Had a fantastic time, didn't we? We even bumped into Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, you know, the, amazing. The football legend who captained Manchester United and played for England. That was pretty exciting, I have to say. And he was so tall. So tall and <laughs> such a great guy. Yes, yeah. loved him. Yeah, and, you know, as a consequence of being in central London, you'll probably occasionally hear some of that busy background noise as well in this in this podcast. Yeah, London's never really quiet, is it? No. Now, Sue really is quite phenomenal, and we're sure you're going to enjoy this conversation, where you will learn how Sue thinks about her purpose in life, how she plans to transform the worlds of social media and digital advertising, the high personal cost of Sue's single-minded focus on making We Are Eight a success, and 
the crazy and sexist things venture capitalists have said to her. In short, this is a truly memorable conversation. And so enjoy this episode with the purposeful and driven Sue Fennessy. Sue Fennessy, welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. Thank you. It's so brilliant to be here with you two fabulous women. Well, we are so excited because here we are sitting in London and guess what, everybody? It's really warm and sunny in London. Unusual. So. <laughs> I'd about true for yes. a day. <laughs> now, as our listeners know, a question we like to kick off with and we ask all of our guests is, Sue, if you were at a dinner party and you were sitting next to someone you'd not met before and they asked you, so what do you do, Sue? How do you answer them? Firstly, Greta, God help them because <laughs> oh, I'm such a bore. I can't do small talk. In fact, it's a game in our family with my boys, try and do small talk for five minutes. Many years ago, actually, when I was pregnant with my now 19-year-old son, I'd done a whole lot of work without sounding like a complete wanker, sold out of a couple of businesses. And the first time in my life, I had time to breathe. And I thought, what's my purpose? And what am I on this planet? What? Clearly, I was very tired, no sleep, but what am I here to do? And at the time, I ended up landing to inspire, empower, and enable a billion people to make positive impact every day. And I just felt deep in my soul that what I was meant to do was build technology that could inspire people and help people to make it fun and easy to make impact. And then, you know, 19 years later, we live in a world that is full of hate, where we have more teenagers and young people suicidal than ever before, where we're in a mental health crisis, a climate crisis, where we have six years. I'm a shit dinner party guest, by the way. Can you imagine sitting next to me? You'd be going, fuck, I'm going to stab myself in the eyeballs. Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> we're in a climate crisis, mental health crisis. And so... What I do is I've built technology for the love of people in our planet where we're on a mission to unite 1% of our human population, just 80 million people out of our 8 billion population to make positive impact every day. And of course, you're talking about We Are Eight, which we will come back to very soon. But if we hit the rewind button and, you know, go back a bit, our listeners will probably have heard, if they're astute, that whilst we're sitting in London, there is an Aussie accent there. So did you grow up in Australia? Grew up in North Dandenong, outside Melbourne, full working class. Dad was a pathologist. Mum was a nurse. She worked night duty in the beginning, actually. I remember she used to give me a kiss. She was so elegant and gorgeous. And she used to give me a kiss on the stomach at night, put me in bed, go off to work, night duty as a nurse. And she'd say, I'll be back by the time you wake up and that kiss will be still be there. And it was such a beautiful thing to do. I used to give my boys a kiss with lipstick on the stomach. But yeah, grew up in North Dandenong. And actually from a young age, as an observer, deep in my heart, as a poet, as a problem solver, I was distressed early about economic crisis. I was seeing my mum used to push things back on the conveyor belt that you put all your supermarket shopping and the things that you'd need the least 
would go at the back. Just the consciousness of that, but we were really happy about that economic pressure. I always thought, wow, how can I live in a way that my family's safe? Wow. And how did you then go from growing up in Dandenong to starting your own business so early? That takes a lot of guts and risk taking and. Yeah. Cause Sue was still at uni. When yeah. She I mean, how, you, why did you do it? It's funny. I think things just choose you. So I finished school, went to uni and then left, came to London actually. And I couldn't pay my rent. I was sharing not even just a bedroom, but a bed with the girl that I was traveling with and eating rice and just thinking, shit, I really need a job and fell into commission only media sales for Sasco style wall planners, actually. But I fell in love with media and how that could drive change. Always obsessed with media, TV, brands, just became a whole combination of that came back to Australia and thought there's only 18 hours of contact time or something, I can fit a job in there. I started at 3UZ, got the sack actually from 3UZ. Radio station. Radio station. I got the sack because I should actually qualify that. I was working very hard and I found out at the time someone was embezzling. Forgive me if I shouldn't be talking about that publicly. And they didn't want me to know that I found out that they were embezzling, so they sacked me. Actually, being sacked, one of my clients was Nestle. A guy from Nestle became my first client. Brilliant. So it was actually, they gave me the most beautiful gift because I'd actually, at the radio station, just come up with a strategy for them to become the good sports, sold all this stuff, won a trip to the US, came back, got the sack. But one of my clients said, we'll be your first client. At the time, I was just, let's get on with it. But I didn't realize, having built Double M, that company, through the whole dot-com, the technology that we were building, the early stage tech with, we were the first one to do the online and TV uh, combo, combo, bringing that together with Channel 7, with AFL. But it was during that whole dot-com, there wasn't the funding for women with big ideas. I probably felt myself getting angrier about that as I got older. At the time, I just sort of got on with it. Well, you certainly did because, like, as I understand it, your business, Double M, grew to be about 100 staff and – you know, the biggest in sort of uh, Southeast Asia and you kind of ruled the roost when it came to sort of signing the Sydney Olympic 2000 sponsorship deals, if I'm not incorrect. That's phenomenal given how little kind of corporate experience you'd had elsewhere Mm. and yet there you are building a business and scaling it to 100 Mm. people. How hard was that? I don't even think I know what I was, I knew what I was doing. I look back actually and I just think, by the way, I'd never been to an Olympic Games, but what we did was come at it differently. I mean, all the big companies were coming off the back of the Olympics in Atlanta and saying, this is what we did in Atlanta. General Motors Holden, this is what we can do for you. Telstra, this is what we can do from, for you. So we had to play the game differently. And so we said, Telstra, this is what we can do for you. I've never been to an Olympic Games and neither have most Australians, but what we will do is connect you with the Australian people 
connect you deeply emotionally as a brand to make people love your brand more by wrapping it around the values of the brand. And by the way, we'll look at it from a business perspective, because if you, if we help you get one fleet deal, that'll underwrite your investment. So my whole thing is how to grow a business, how brands can have a really positive role in our lives and how people can feel more loved and united by that. And even in that first business, I was using all the money I made to do kind of street kid dinners. Every year we used to do Christmas street kid dinner. And I think there was this culmination of even then being worried about the environment, animals, endangered species, all of that. So it was all the stuff was in that company, Double M. This is your fourth business and you've had three successful exits. What do you think is sort of the secret to your success in terms of building the team around you? That's the biggest thing, actually. What do you look for? I mean, it's interesting with We Are Eight because I feel very, for the first time in my life, I mean, SMI had a world-class team and Double M had a world-class team. This time there were no, only hire exceptional. So our playbook at We Are Eight is hire the best media leaders. I mean, Lizzie Young was managing director of Channel 9, the biggest media company in Australia. We're doing the same thing in the US with our president appointment. My COO is ex-Uber and Uber Eats and Groupon, the chief commercial officer ex-TikTok. So it's taking the best people, but then it's cultural alignment because we're very mission-driven. I mean, we're on a mission to unite 1% of the human population every day, 80 million people, and we make the collective impact by redirecting. Our mission is to redirect 10% of the digital ad market back to people and the planet, and then we solve the world's biggest problems together with people and advertisers. What I love about what you've been saying, though, is that you're just so driven by this huge purpose, and I can really see why it would be incredibly compelling to get behind you and, you know, get on that wagon. Cause there's, there's not that many companies that have got purposes that are just so big and powerful. Do you know, it's, it's interesting because I think we're all living in an ecosystem that is, and systems that are fundamentally broken, whether it's our government, whether it's our organizational structures, whether it's our social world. I mean, every small business think they're reliant on Facebook ads and it's just costing so much money. Everyone's on these social frameworks that are enabling hate and through their algorithms enable controlling the amount of people they reach. So I think at some point we need to collectively address the big stuff together. And so all I feel like the first three businesses, I only did that all for 35 years just to prep myself for what's happening right now. That's why it's not even about me. I just feel like I've got to do this. We've got to change it because it's not working for the advertisers who are spending $500 billion a year and digital ads don't even work really. You know, the social ads, they're so expensive, they don't work under... 0.4% engagement just doesn't even work. And the big problems though, now I know how to solve. I've spent in a way 35 years 
thinking about how to solve big problems. It sounds so fantastic. What kind of reaction, if any, have you had from the existing dominant kind of duopolies sort of of social media platforms that are out there? I mean, uh, have they yeah. been, or have you just been dismissed as a bit of a can't take it seriously because they oh, seem so sure. huge and impenetrable in terms of being able to defeat them? Yeah, so did Goliath, right? I know they know about us. They've written us off as no chance. And because you don't just suddenly jump to a transformational ad model that works so much better, you just don't suddenly jump to reimagine social. It's a whole journey of failure, reiteration, you know. Yep. Iterate, iterate, yeah, iterate, iterate. Yeah. Elon Musk sent, you know, eight rockets to outer space before one, seven rockets before one worked. So it's refinement, refinement. We always knew the problem, refined to get to the solution. I'm sure they know about us. I just come back to our model is transformational. You can still tweet on Twitter, dance on TikTok, but you change the world on eight. And when I look at our ad model, the reason that we've got the world's biggest advertisers is because they want people's attention and our model works better and they want to deliver an ad that's more sustainable and it works better. So I think that bit and then when I look at the powers at B, I think of the world's biggest media companies, whether that's Warner Brothers Discovery, NBC, or all of these big companies, they're on side with us because they don't always love social media and the hate that it's fueling. Mm. When I look at the world's biggest corporations, they're so tired of social. When I look at governments around the world, they're so tired. No one knows what to do because no one's taken them on. Raising money to take on something big, though, has been a complete nightmare. Love to talk about that because, you know, uh, yes, you've had three amazing businesses that you've exited and the like. So I'm sure there's there was a degree of bootstrapping this, but you've now got staff, I think it's you know nearly 100 staff around the world. Have you got mm. investors? Tell us about that journey. So I've got amazing investors that have invested in SMI and this, thank goodness, It's cost us to build the data engine, the ad model, the buying engine for advertisers, this whole ecosystem. It's cost us $40 million, over $40 million to build all that technology. I've put personally in, or we've put $11.5 in, and, you know, you put everything on the line. Seriously. All the time. Yeah. To do that. And that's hard for all of those around you. That's hard for family. That's hard for, you know, partners when you're, you know, living with someone that's so driven, driven (laughs) and actually obsessed, obsessed, driven, (laughs) but also just knows because we can hear people say, we've got six years until the damage we've done to our planet is irreversible, but every, everyone just goes on like nothing's yeah, going to yeah, happen. Yeah. I mean, Greta, Greta, your, your fellow young, Thunberg. fabulous yes. Greta Thunberg namesake, she's done more for climate awareness than any, you know, between her and Sir David Attenborough. She wasn't even invited to COP26 climate summit. I mean, we've got, such broken systems with old agendas that we have to 
build something big enough. So, so I've personally put in a lot of money. I've had some individual investors that who have been amazing. And now all the success that we're anchoring our series C investment with a big announcement in a couple of weeks from one of the biggest media companies in the US out of New York who's investing in us. Channel 4 out of the UK have invested in us, BBC Studios. And the whole thing is to bring the biggest media companies in the world in, bring the biggest advertisers. We're going to open it up to a select group of biggest advertisers to invest in. And then ultimately, the reason I want to list is not for me – it's for people. Yeah, it's right. for the people yeah, okay. to own the platform. So imagine a world where I'm on aid, I'm part of the social, but I'm also owning stock in the ecosystem that we're living in, you know. And on a personal level, I think it would be beautiful to have we exist to unite people that and collective for our ownership. planet, the collective. Yeah. So I'd love that collective Amazing. ownership. Yeah. But it's raising the money. I mean, I had to... We hit COVID. I had to borrow, despite building all those companies when you bootstrap stuff, I had to borrow $5 million and I could only get it at a 35% (gasps) interest rate from individuals. I've paid it back with that interest rate because I sold SMI, but it was shockingly painful. So banks, private equity... None of them... Despite your track record. I've been told many times I need to look different that I need a makeover. No. Yeah. I mean, this is the world we live in. I mean, it's 2%. Women get, two years ago, it was 2.7% of all VC funds. It's now 2%. That is a fact. And it is a a real, but it's a crime. And so what we need to do is build the world's biggest social media platform that unites people that solves massive problems, and then no one will ever underestimate women again. We've got to flip it once and for all because we need women-led, female-led solutions. We've got brothers and husbands and sons. We're never going to marginalise men. We just want balance and we need solutions with balance. Yeah, we couldn't agree more with uh, the balance, that's for sure. I don't think we need to ask you what success looks like for We Are Eight because you've been very loud and clear about that. How do you keep going? Because Mm. the amount of energy you're Mm. expending even this hour. And when Mm. we arrived at the We Are Eight headquarters, listeners, I mean, it's just this buzz of activity and a famous person walked in the hall and greeted us. And it was like, holy dooly, what is going on here? And the whole leadership team, I think. How do you sustain yourself though? Some days I'm good good and sometimes, you know, I go through phases where I try and do yoga on a Sunday and I eat really well normally. The, The wheels have fallen off a bit this week. But normally I, I travel with, you know, bunches of parsley and I try to do, be as good as I can. Bunches I don't of drink. parsley. I know it's ridiculous. I find parsley and sleep fixes any, if I've got a little bug or anything, mm-hmm. but I don't drink because it makes menopausal. It sort of makes you feel really Horrible. bad. Yeah. I think most of the time we're all just trying to hold it together. Don't yeah. you think? Yes. I yes. mean, yeah, yeah, what do yeah, you absolutely. do? The truth is I've recently moved house and my beautiful ex-husband actually, but we have an amazing relationship. We're terrific friends and, you know, we really love each other. 
but it's hard living with someone as obsessive as me in many ways. I know that's not easy. So I think the sacrifices that get made along the way, sadly. I mean, we love each other and we have the most – my friends, get. we went to my son's graduation recently and all Nick's friends said, your parents are so happy. What's it? They get on better than <laughs> most of the people the in the room. Maybe we should all get separated. But with, with love, I think we're all just looking for a moment of stillness inside ourselves and a moment of connection. I love your honesty in the sense that, you know, you're holding it together, but or not. Or not. <laughs> Try just to hang no, I on. Think I, I actually think I've been prepping for this. Yeah. After I ring that bell and we're at yeah. 1% of the population with my beautiful team that's all in place, I can have a rest. I just want to sit by a lake and have a cup of tea for I just can't, a week. I'm sorry. I, a, a week. week. <laughs> for a week. For a minute. Yeah. can't see it, but maybe you <laughs> Go for a walk. Dance in the forest or something crazy. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Are there any habits that you've put in place mm whether it's in your life or in the company, Mm. that have helped you? I think actually I'm very disciplined. Yeah, I'm sure you have to be. Yeah. I always go into the Sunday afternoons from 3 p.m. onwards is off. Saturday I tend to kind of do my shopping, do my organising. I love cooking so it's a creative outlet. Then I plan the next week. And I'm really going to detail. I visualize. I never go into a meeting unprepared, even if sometimes I throw what I've prepared out the door. But I am ridiculously disciplined on time. Like I try to get in bed at a certain time every night because I wake up so early. Which I is don't, what time? I love being in bed by nine o'clock. It doesn't happen very often. I really have to be in bed by 10, 10 30. And if I'm up at 11.30, 12, I actually get, because I'll be awake at 4.30 or something. So mentally, we were talking yesterday in our leadership meeting, the whole idea of what keeps you in a good mindset, how you can be your best. I mean, we're constantly challenging ourselves as leaders, really visualising where you want to be and prepping for that, your higher mindset. So I found myself, particularly in the last year actually, and as I get older, getting more spiritual, you know, mm. sitting in the garden for 10 minutes and just, just listening to the trees. I mean, it's your higher mind yeah. talking to yourself and that whole idea of you've got this mm. for some insane reason. It, whatever, I picked you to do this job. So get on with it. Yeah. Just get on with it. Yeah. You've got this. I like that visualizing piece like practically what do you do yeah that's a great question because I think it's visualizing but what I'm actually doing is feeling it I'm highly highly sensitive which as a kid was a not seen as a superpower for anyone that is highly sensitive it is a superpower it has a lot of negatives because you end up feeling everything and getting hurt I remember on one of Rio did a tweet and someone said at Sue Fennessy, go and die, right? Like people get that all the time. The footballers, the hate That's awful, that people it? get is so shocking. And that was just like, Ugh, you know. So 
As a sensitive person, I obsessively think about a solution, but then I've realized I'm not actually visualizing, I'm feeling what that would feel like. And it's never actually, because we live in service anyway, it's never about me. I mean, I say, I'm ringing that bell, I want to ring that bell, but I want to ring that bell because it means we've flipped that system for all women entrepreneurs and leaders around the world. I want to ring that bell because it means that people are now sharing in the wealth of the biggest social companies and we're flipping the economic model and it means that we're uniting for the planet. So I think when you visualize and think of something and it has good intention that is about others or about, you can have a role in it because you're in it, but the intention is really pure and then you feel what that feels like, that's harmony and beautiful and makes me happy. We absolutely love your mission. Thank you. So it's just incredible. And you you know, one of our last questions is usually a really hard question to answer, but you've almost answered it, which is what does success look like for you? You know, ultimately. When 80 million people are having fun, making positive impact every day and coming together collectively. Then we can dance. Then we can all have a big party by the lake, in the forest, dancing around, having cups of tea. (laughs) I'll give you all a bunch of parsley. Can't wait (laughs) to be there. I think that will feel beautiful. Do you think? Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) it feels like everything is possible then. Yeah, there's no problem too big. And what if I love is, is, is the sense that, I mean, you know, many people would look at that and say, Oh my God, that's just too huge. You know, mm. it's just too scary and overwhelming. And, you know, if that's what success looks like, then gee. Well, we've made it easy now. I mean, we've spent eight years building the technology to do it. And now we're partnering with the world's biggest media companies. So you can see it. I know it's amazing. It's It's here now. It's phenomenal. To me, it, it doesn't, it just feels here. Well, I mean, it sounds phenomenal and we, well, we definitely want to play our part in that. If for our listeners, what can they do to help your mission? Download We Are Eight, the app and share the message that when we come together, we can change the world and have hope in your own heart that we can do this. Because I think particularly for your listeners and all the people that you inspire, I mean, everything that you're doing is so inspirational and it's just trying to be our best selves every day, even though, you know, we're all hanging on. It's just thinking, yeah, we've got each other. And it's actually, as women, every time you think I want to be critical of something or critical, just stop for a second and go, no, you are elevating others. And I just think it's, it's that. I mean, on a physical level, join our community, download our app for two minutes a day, join us, change the world. But I think it's everything you're doing that is actually at the heart of how we want to be. We want to elevate each other. That's all the really important stuff, right? Thank you so much. And we wish you, well, all the best. We'll be right behind you and we'll be, we'll be sharing the love. So thank you. Thank you. Wow. I'm still in awe. 
but the scale of Sue's ambition and conviction. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I, you know, I really hope advertisers and users continue to embrace the platform and that it really takes off around the world because, you know, it's still quite early days. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see how Sue's background with all those international advertising and marketing businesses she set up has so set her up to be able to do this. You know, so if you live in the UK, Australia or New Zealand and soon the US, then look out for and download the We Are 8 app. I've just signed up. Yep, me too. Awesome. I, you know, and I really love the concept of the We Are 8 platform, that instead of Facebook or TikTok earning all the money from me seeing ads served, yeah. We Are 8 actually asks you if you'd like to see an ad and then pays you if you do. Plus, they also donate money to charity when you do. Yeah, it's such a virtuous cycle, isn't it? Imagine if 80 million people did that, which is Sue's goal and she talked about it. You know, and the feed is so much more positive too. Yeah, absolutely. I also couldn't believe that Sue, who'd already built and exited three successful businesses, was told by a VC to get a makeover. Isn't that outrageous? You can say that again. You know, it's really scandalous. It actually makes me mad. You know, that that behaviour is still happening today. It's no wonder that women are so underrepresented in terms of receiving venture capital backing, if they think that way. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, that's this episode done and dusted. Stay tuned for our next episode where we interview the most humble of women setting out to transform healthcare for people who live in remote and regional areas. Another formidable entrepreneur. In the meantime, have a great rest of your week, embrace purpose and have fun. Ciao for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.